भागवतम की शीला प्रभुपाद की जय निताय गोर प्रेमानंदे ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय हरे कृष्णा टुडे वी आर रीडिंग फ्रॉम कैंटो सेवन चैप्टर फोर चैप्टर फोर इज एंटाइटल्ड हिरण्य कशिपू टेरराइजेज द यूनिवर्स एंड वी आर ऑन टेक्स्ट थर्टी वन थर्टी टू सो आई थिंक वी आर जस्ट गोइंग टू रीड थर्टी वन फॉर वोकेटो पर्पजेस ब्रह्मण्यशील संपन्ना 
ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಣ್ಯಶೀಲಸಂಪನ್ನ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧೋಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧೋಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಆತ್ಮವತ್ಸರ್ವೂತಾಸರ್ವೂತಾಸೂತ್ರಿಯಸಂಪನ್ನ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧೋಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಆತ್ಮವತ್ಸರ್ವೂತಾಸೂತ್ರಿಯಸಂಪನ್ನ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧೋಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಆತ್ಮವತ್ಸರ್ವೂತಾಸೂತ್ರಿಯಸಂಪನ್ನ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧೋಜಿತೇಂದ್ರಿಯ ಆತ್ಮವತ್ಸರ್ವೂತಾಸೂತ್ರಿಯಸೂತ್ರ I'll just read the next verse, um, 32. ಪಿತ್ರವದೀನವತ್ಸಲ ಭ್ರಾತೃವೃತ್ಸದೃಶೇ ಸ್ನಿಗ್ಧೋ ಗುರುಶ್ವರಭಾವನ ವಿಧ್ಯಾಥರೂಪಜನ್ಮಾಧ್ಯೋ ಮಾನಸ್ತಂಭವಿವರ್ಜಿ ವರ್ಡ್ ಟು ವರ್ಡ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸ್ಲೇಷನ್ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣ್ಯ ಕಲ್ಚರ್ಡ್ ಆಸ್ ಅ ಗುಡ್ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣ ಶೀಲಸಂಪನ್ನ ಪೊಸೆಸಿಂಗ್ ಆಲ್ ಗುಡ್ ಕ್ವಾಲಿಟೀಸ್ ಸತ್ಯಸಂಧ determined to understand the absolute truth jita indriya fully controlling the senses and mind atmavat like the super soul sarvabhutanam of all living entities ekapriya the one beloved suhrattamaha the best friend dashavat like a menial servant sanata always obedient aryangriha at the lotus feet of great persons pitravat exactly like a father dinavatsalaha kind to the poor bhratravrit exactly like a brother sadrishe to his equals snigdha very affectionate gurushu unto the spiritual masters 
Ishvara Bhavanaha, who considered exactly like the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Vidya, education. Artha, riches. Rupa, beauty. Janma, aristocracy or nobility. Adhya, endowed with. Mana, pride. Stambha, impudence. Vivarjitaha, completely free from. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Translation, the qualities of Prahlad, Maharaj Prahlad, the son of Hiranyakashipu, are described here with. He was completely cultured as a qualified Brahmana, having very good character and being determined to understand the absolute truth. He had full control of his senses and mind. Like the super soul, he was kind to every living being and was the best friend of everyone. To respectable persons, he acted exactly like a menial servant. To the poor, he was like a father. To his equals, he was attached like a sympathetic brother. And he considered his teachers, spiritual masters, and older god brothers to be as good as the supreme personality of Godhead. He was completely free from unnatural pride that might, that might have arisen from his good education, riches, beauty, aristocracy, and so on. Purport. These are some of the qualifications of a Vaishnava. A Vaishnava is automatically a Brahmana because a Vaishnava has all the good qualities of a Brahmana. Samodamastapa shaucham shantir arjavam evacham jnanam vijnanam astikyam brahma karma svabhavajam Peacefulness, self-control, austerity, purity, tolerance, honesty, wisdom, knowledge and religiousness. These are the qualities by which the Brahmanas work. Bhagavad Gita 18.42 These qualities are manifest in the body of a Vaishnava. Therefore, a perfect Vaishnava is also a perfect Brahmana, as indicated here by the words Brahmanya Shila Sampanaha. A Vaishnava is always determined to understand the absolute truth. And to understand the absolute truth, one needs to have full control over his senses and mind. Prahlad Maharaj possessed all of these qualities. A Vaishnava is always a well-wisher to everyone. The six Goswamis, for example, are described in this way, Dheera Dheera Jana Priyo. They were popular with both the general and the ruffians. A Vaishnava may be equal to everyone, regardless of one's position. Atmavat, a Vaishnava should be like Paramatma. Ishwara Sarvabhutanam Rideshu Arjuna Tisthati. Paramatma does not hate anyone indeed. He is in the heart of a Brahmana, but he is also even in the heart of a pig. As the moon never refuses to, refuses to distribute its pleasing rays even to the home of a Chandala, a Vaishnava never refuses to act for everyone's welfare. Therefore, Vaishnava is always obedient to the spiritual master, Arya. The word Arya refers to one who is advanced in knowledge. One who is deficient in knowledge cannot be called Arya. At the present, however, the word Arya is, referred to refer, is used to refer to those who are godless. This is the unfortunate situation of Kaliyuga. The word Guru refers to the spiritual master who initiates his disciples into advancement in the science of Krishna or Krishna consciousness as stated by Srila Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur. Shri Bhagwan Mantro Padeshaka Garau Iti Arthaha. Om Ajnanati Mirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripasindubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare um, so we are continuing to hear from the mouth, lotus mouth of Narad Muni um, about uh, Hiranyakashipu's whole pastime, which started at the beginning of this canto. So Narad Muni is sitting in the assembly of the Rajasuya sacrifice. After the Rajasuya sacrifice happened, Yudhishthir Maharaj had a few questions. 
and even Lord Krishna was present over there, but Yudhishthir Maharaj was asking Narad Muni, because he is the spiritual master of the whole world. He was asking him certain clarifications, because he was a bit bewildered to see Shishupal's soul merging into the body of Krishna, and hence he see, sought some clarification from Narad Muni. And that time Narad Muni gave the whole history of Jai Vijay, how Jai Vijay fell down, they were cursed and fell down to the material world and the different births they took. And then Narad Muni started describing Hiranyakashipu's um, activities. So since the last verse, since the previous verse, the hero of this particular pastime has been introduced, which is none other than the great devotee Prahlad Maharaj. So usually we see that when a hero is introduced, especially in a Bollywood movie or Hollywood movie, we see the way the introduction is done of the hero. It is more on their physical attributes, like the camera will first go on the body and then slowly move up to the face, like same with a heroine when she's introduced. So nowadays people with you know good bodies are considered to be great or good looks are considered to be great heroes and heroines. Um, but there is no, they, they might be completely characterless and devoid of any good qualities. But in Kaliuga, these people are actually given the position of heroes in the society. But if we see the heroes of the Vedic times, this is the actual way to introduce those heroes, is through their qualities. So the qualities of Prahlad Maharaj are being described over here, and Prabhupada is, you know, talking about each quality in detail in the purport as well. And we see that Srimad Bhagavatam is actually a progression from the first canto right till the tenth canto, which is the smiling face of Krishna, which is represented in the tenth canto, the Bhagavatam is actually a progression of personal of the pastimes leading up to the you know supreme most uh, nectarian pastimes of Lord Krishna in the tenth canto. But it is also a gradual progression of devotion of the intensity of devotion of devotees. So we see, if you look at the you know, gradual progression, we'll see Dhru Maharaj was also a very exalted devotee, whose pastimes we studied in fourth canto. So Dhru Maharaj obviously was a devotee in awe and reverence, like he, he had darshan of the Paramatma. And then we are seeing this gradual progression and we are seeing another exalted devotee's uh, description given away over here, which is Prahlad Maharaj. So Prabhupada is describing the qualities and in the purport, the first quality which is described is that um, he, was completely, uh, he was completely cultured as a qualified Brahman, having very good character and being determined to understand the absolute truth. Now Prabhupada dwells in this a lot, you know, that a, Brahm, a Vaishnava is automatically a, an elevated Brahman. And in fact, we know from the life of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, during his time, there was a debate which was organized. There was division among the society who are superior, whether Brahmanas are superior or Vaishnavas are superior. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was asked to chair that particular debate and speak at that debate. And it is described that the first two, three days, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur completely glorified the Brahmana's position. And all the Brahmanas, oh yeah, see, we won, we won, they were thinking like that. And then the next part of the debate, he completely glorified the Vaishnavas. And ultimately, he established the truth that actually the Vaishnavas have all the qualities of a Brahmana. So what are the, some of the um, activities of a Brahmana is given in the scriptures? It says, yajan yajan pathan pathan. So they are meant to study the scriptures and teach the scriptures. They are meant to do yajyas and you know, teach others to do yajyas. So these are some of the main qualities of a Brahman. And Prabhupada is describing some of the qualities in the purport as well. And we see that these qualities are automatically present in a devotee. A devotee does not have to endeavor separately to actually develop these particular qualities. And we see there is a beautiful verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam which says that Haro abhaktasa kuha kutho mahadguna. So some of these Brahmanas might be Ved, you know, Vedic Brahmanas. And they might actually be pursuing some of the, you know, external qualities of a Brahmana, like Shaucham, austerity, all these things they might be pursuing, but are they actually pursuing the knowledge of the absolute truth? Many of the Smartha Brahmanas are actually Mayavadis. They are, you know, they are in fact negating the personal form of the Lord. So, Prabhupada is establishing that a Vaishnava automatically has all these beautiful qualities. In fact, in the Jaiva Dharma, uh, it is very beautifully described by Bhakti Vinod Thakur about Nitya Dharma and Naimitika Dharma. <laughs> so so Nitya, Dharma, Nitya Dharma is described as Sanatan Dharma or the eternal uh, occupational duty of a spirit soul. 
in the bhagavad gita uh, introduction also prabhupada talks about the eternal duty of a spirit soul or the eternal nature of a spirit soul and prabhupada says that this is the, the dharma of the soul just as the dharma of water is to liquidity or to flow the dharma of sugar is sweetness the dharma of salt is saltiness to give that taste so in the same way the dharma of a soul is to serve the supreme personality of godhead and that is the nitya dharma nitya dharma means the eternal occupational duty of a soul and why is it said eternal because irrespective of which body the soul has taken birth in one lifetime it might be a brahmana's body another lifetime it might be a shudra body a butcher body whatever but his eternal occupational duty is to connect back to his supreme father and serve him and naimitika dharma is more about you know following the ten it's superficial it's it sounds it's the shadow of nitya dharma so people might think you know it's for example varnashram dharma which is not daivi varnashram dharma can fall under the category of uh, naimitika dharma where a brahmana is just engaged in brahmanical duties but he might not be engaged in pursuit of the supreme personality of godhead nor would he, he would he be engaged in preaching about the supreme personality of godhead so that is why prabhupad says that a vaishnava automatically has all these qualities he is not only having the qualities which a brahmana should possess which is yajan yajan pathan pathan and you know giving charity and receiving charity but at the same time he is also doing the activities which a vaishnava is meant to do which is connecting with the supreme lord and serving the supreme lord, personality of godhead so that way prabhupada talks about a vaishnava and then the second quality which prabhupada is talking about in the purport is that prahlad maharaj was very kind deena vatsalaha he was very kind to everybody and he was equal to everybody but in the purport we also see and in the uh, per, uh, translation also where we see so when we say kind to everybody on the material platform he was kind to everybody and he did not uh discriminate between anybody that's how he was equal to everybody so irrespective of which family somebody comes from or how their material situation is he was still giving his mercy and we know this from his uh, life story like it will come further that he was not he was considering the demoniac classmates also you know he was very brotherly and a friend to all of them he did not discriminate oh y'all are demon children y'all don't have the intelligence to understand about the supreme personality of god no point in talking to y'all no he was still preaching to his demoniac classmates and he was actually turning them around all of them were chanting the glories of lord krishna so that's that is how prahlad maharaj and with his father own father who was the greatest demon present at that time on the earth he was still very kind and equal he did not discriminate or he did not um, he did not negate his father's position he was still very kind he was still thinking that my father should be delivered so in this way prahlad maharaj was equal but on the spiritual platform generally you know we see the spiritual adhikaris or spiritualists transcendentalists discriminate on the spiritual platform it is not uh, possible to maintain equality on the spiritual platform especially for the purpose of preaching so in fact uh, very similar to what prabhupad says here in the translation it says no to respectable persons he exa- acted exactly like a menial servant so that means to his superiors he was like a servant he served them to the poor so people who were below him he was like a father who was very kind bestowing his mercy giving his association and to his equals he was attached like a sympathetic brother so with his equals a sympathetic brother or a friend and there's a beautiful verse in shrimad bhagavatam in fourth um, canto 8 chapter 34 verse it says gunadikan mudham lipsed anukrosham gunadhamat maitrim sanvidan anvichen na taper abhibhuyate so the translation is every man should act like this when he meets a person more qualified than himself he should be very pleased when he meets someone less qualified than himself he should be compassionate towards him like it says no prabhu uh, pralad maharaj was like a father to the poor people and when he meets someone equal to himself he should make friendship with him in this way one is never affected by the threefold miseries of the material world so that is something which the bhagavatam is instructing that as a practicing spiritualist how we can also discriminate when we are dealing with different different levels of devotees and sometimes we see devotees um, practicing devotees can make that mistake of uh, you know sometimes being because elevated personalities or gurus or spiritual masters their god brothers all of them might be very kind and merciful because they are deena vatsala they are there for the uh, you know um, Uh, spiritual emancipation of people so they might sometimes act very friendly 
with us. They might sometimes act very familiar with us. How, and you know, we might, we might see that they visit or something and they might just talk like a friend to us. But that does not mean we start talking back to them like a friend. And sometimes, you know, devotees do that mistake. They, because of over-familiarity, the respectable position that has to be given to these elevated Vaishnavas or Aryas, like Prabhupada describes over here, that actually goes down. They make the mistake of taking, you know, the relationship a bit lightly. And, you know, that gravity which should be uh, there when we are serving these elevated souls sometimes can go away. So a devotee has to be very careful. And that is why it is said a Madhyama Adhikari generally discriminates among, you know, the three classes of people where he knows how to deal with each class separately. And then we see with the peers, it says that he was like a sympathetic brother, like a friend to his peers who were his equals. And that is, that is where most of the problems happen in devotional relationships if we see. Like when a Guru Maharaj comes, most of us deal with a Guru Maharaj. We are always, everybody wants to serve, everybody. In fact, there are fights, oh, I didn't get some service for the spiritual master. Why I'm not getting to cook, I'm not getting to drive, why I'm not getting to garland, like that. So everybody is very eager to serve a superior personality. But most of the problems happen among our, amongst our peers. Because what can happen among, amongst equals is, because we think I am his equal, or he's, you know, we came in Krishna consciousness together, or we took initiation together or something like that, there is a, you know, a, a tendency to start becoming envious. So when we see our peer, for example, one of the, you know, uh, spiritual masters blessing our peer, for example, more, or they are, you know, showing some more mercy to the peer, to our peers, then we can see there can be a little bit of envy that can creep in. That why him, why not me? Or we see someone glorifying, someone who's, whom we consider are equal because of something, some nice devotional service they've done, whether singing, uh, making garlands, deity dressing, giving classes, leading harinam, whatever. So that time we can see that sometimes that envy can creep up, that everyone's glorifying him, you know, how do I then, you know, bring it down or something like that. And then we, we have this tendency to sort of bring him down by talking behind the back and, you know, doing... Vaishnava Prat that way, like, you know, bring, trying to bring him down. And the third way, uh, you know, elevated devotees, discriminators, when they see people who are junior than us, then the heart should be full of compassion. The heart should, you know, be wanting to reach out and give the treasure that we have. We have obtained of Krishna consciousness. And that is why this discrimination is required. Sometimes, you know, if we don't have that uh, heart full of compassion, we might not, that preaching spirit might not um, ignite in our heart. And Srila Prabhupada says that, you know, ISKCON is, not, is a preaching business. Like preaching is every, it's a family business of ISKCON. But for that we need to see, sometimes, you know, we see that people might have, you know, opulent cars and opulent houses and all that. And we might feel, oh my God, he's so opulent. And that time that compassion in the heart might not arise. That whatever it is he's suffering in this world, let me try and give him Krishna consciousness. I have a greater treasure than he has. So looking at someone's, you know, achievements or someone's wealth and all, that little bit of feeling can sometimes come. But if the heart is full of compassion, like Prabhupada is describing over here, then definitely we will see that we have something more to give them rather than becoming enamored by their wealth and opulences. So in this way, Prabhupada is describing different qualities of Prahlad Maharaj. And we will see as the chapter progresses, we will see Prahlad Maharaj's activities also being described in great detail by Narad Muni to Yudhishthir Maharaj. So that was the essence of today's verse. And today is the appearance day of some very great personalities and some great events have taken place today. So we'll spend the rest of the class just speaking about those personalities. And it's really very nice coincidence that we are talking about all these qualities which a Vaishnava possesses and it's actually the appearance day of two exalted Vaishnavas today. So one of the Vaishnavas is um, Vamsi Vadan Thakur and the other is Shyamanan Prabhu. So they were two exalted Vaishnavas in the Chaitanya um, Leelas. They, they played an active part in Chaitanya Leela and they were full of all these qualities which are being described in today's verse. So we'll delve a little bit into their lives and see what learnings and instructions we can derive from their lives. It is also um, a very auspicious day. So today is actually Purnima of Chaitra month. And Chaitra month Purnima is very auspicious because of these two personalities appearance day. It is also the appearance day of Radha Kun today. And it is also, um, you know, today is the day when Balaram Rasyatra took place. So we'll discuss a little bit about all these pastimes. So um, we'll start with Vamsi Vadan Thakur. Now Vamsi Vadan Thakur, um, he was an eternal associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and an eternal associate of Lord Krishna as well. 
and his glories and his biography and his life has been described by his own grandson whose name was Sri Vallabh Das in a book called Vamsi Vilas. And there are many other books which are written where his biography and his pastimes are mentioned, um, which are Shripat Pariyatana, Bhakti Ratnakar, and also Gaur Ganodesh Deepika by Kavi Karnapur. In fact, in the Gaur Ganodesh Deepika, there is a beautiful verse which uh, Kavi Karnapur writes, which says, Vamshi Krishna Priya Yashit Sa Vamsi Das Thakur. And the meaning of this verse is that the uh, flute, which was, you know, on Krishna's lips all the time, that flute took birth as uh, Vamsi Vadan Thakur to take part in Chaitanya Leela. So we know the gopis, when we see, read in the 10th canto, especially when the gopis are feeling separation from Lord Krishna, they are actually envying the flute and they are talking about the great fortune of Krishna's flute. So they are saying that, oh, how fortunate this flute is that it always gets to drink the nectar of Krishna's lips. And look at us, we are always separated from Krishna. That, that you know, we have that uh, authority over Krishna's lips, but that flute is taking away that particular position, which is ours. So that is how the gopis are, you know, uh, staking their claim on Lord Krishna. And they are saying the flute is fortunate because it is never separated from the lips of Krishna, whereas we are here suffering in the separation of Lord Krishna. So this is how the gopis held the fruit in such a high esteem. And everything in Golok Vrindavan is conscious. There is nothing which is jad or inert. Like in material world, we have jad and uh, spiritual, inert matter and uh, spiritual matter. But in spiritual world, everything has consciousness. Whether it's the stones, rivers, trees, Krishna's flute, everything has consciousness. And therefore, it is not a surprise that Krishna's flute took birth as a human being in, to take part again and serve uh, you know, Sri Krishna as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we see even in South India, the 12 Alvars had taken birth. They were great poets and saints, Vaishnava saints, who appeared in the 8th or 9th century. And they were also incarnations of the Lord's weapons, of the different uh, astras which the Lord had. So in this way, everybody in the spiritual world has consciousness and they sometimes take birth to serve their Lord again in the material world as well. So Vamsivadan uh, Thakur, he took birth in Kulia, in a place called Kulia in Navadweep. His father's name was Madhavdas and you know his nickname was Chakri. And his mother's name was Chandrakala Dasi. So it is described that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu once stayed in the house of Madhavdas, which was Vamsivadan Thakur's father, for seven days when he was coming back from Jagannath Puri to take darshan of Ganga, Mother Ganga and Mother Sachi. So that time he stayed and during that time he gave a lot of mercy and affection to um, Madhavdas and to um, Vamsivadan Thakur. And it is also said that during that visit, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually gave a lot of mercy and benedictions to all the Navadvipasis, especially he pardoned the offenses of many, many devotees. And some of these devotees were Devanand Pandit, um, uh, Gang, um, uh, uh, Gopal Chakravarti. These were some of the devotees who had committed offenses in the Chaitanya Leela. And he actually pardoned many more. He pardoned all their offenses during that visit in Vamsivadan Thakur's house. And therefore, that place also has come to be known as Aparad Bhanjanpat. Because there, all the Aparads were um, pardoned by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Vamsivadan Thakur is actually, was actually a great poet and writer and he was extremely um, intelligent and it is said that when he took birth, both Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Advaita Acharya were present in Madhavdas's house. During his birth, they were all there to give him his mercies right from his birth. After Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas, he instructed Vamsivadan Thakur that you please go and look after Mother Sachi and Vishnu Priya because they are burning in separation. And I'm, you know, going to I'm going to reside at Jagannath Puri, but now it is your duty to look after them. So Vamsivadan Thakur then became the menial servant of uh, Mother Sachi and uh, uh, Vishnu Priya. And in fact, because of the separation, both Vishnu Priya and Vamsivadan Thakur were once contemplating suicide because they were feeling such great separation from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And they were thinking of ending their life and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, obviously being omni, uh, omniscient, he came to know that his two great devotees are thinking like this. So he appeared before them and he told Vishnu Priya especially to worship him in his deity form. And that way she will not feel so much separation from him. And that is what Vishnu Priya then started doing. She started worshipping Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in, her, in his deity form till she left this world. And after her departure, 
that deity was handed over to uh, Vamsidas Thakur to look after. And again, Vamsidas Thakur looked after that deity. And today, that deity is there in uh, Navadvip Dham. It is still present in Navadvip Dham as Dhameshwar Mahaprabhu. And Vamsivadan Thakur also worshipped his ancestral deities because his father, everybody were devotees, grandfather, everyone. So they had an ancestral deity of Gopinath, which he worshipped. And along with that, he himself has established the worship of a Krishna deity called Pranvallab. So these were some of the deities he worshipped during his lifetime. And Vamsivadan Thakur was actually a householder. So he had two sons, and because of his immense attachment to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityanand Prabhu, he had named his sons as Chaitanya and Nityananda. And Chaitanya Ma, this Chaitanya's son, again was, you know, he had two sons, who was, one of the sons was very glorious, whose name was Sri Ramachandra, or his name was also called as Ramai Thakur. Now this Ramai Thakur was an elevated devotee, he was actually a disciple of Janva Mata. In fact, Vamsivadan Thakur's whole family received a lot of mercy from Janva Mata. And once when Ramai Thakur uh, was visiting um, Vrindavan, that time he found beautiful deities of Krishna and Balaram in a place called uh, Praskananda Tirtha. And this uh, Praskananda Tirtha was actually uh, in Yamuna Ghat, very close to the Dwadashaditya Tila. So we know after Krishna's pastime of uh, subduing Kaliya, he was completely wet because of staying in the Yamuna River for quite some time and he was shivering with cold when he actually came out of the water. So all the 12 sons gathered over there to serve their master and they all gave him heat so that he would dry up and not feel cold. And because obviously imagine 12 suns shining on you, so Krishna started feeling a bit hot. And because of that ho uh, heat, he started sweating. And his sweat flowed and merged into the Yamuna. And that place, that ghat where the sweats were uh, merged was known as Praskandana Tirtha. And it is in that Tirtha where Krishna's sweat had merged that Ramai uh, Thakur found beautiful deities of Krishna and Balaram. And he actually took those deities back with him uh, to worship in Navadvip Dham. And the deities are known as, um, Kanai. he named the deities as Kanai Balai. So the whereabouts of these deities are not known, but at least, you know, the deity which Vishnu Priya was worshipping, and which then Vamsivadan Thakur was worshipping, is still there as in Navadvip as Gopeshwar Mahadev. And the other grandson was Sri Vallabdas, who wrote beautiful biography on uh, Vamsivadan Thakur. The name of the book was Vamsi Vilas. So like this, Vamsivadan Thakur was an eternal associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showered him with a lot of mercy and gave him all the potency to preach and to write beautiful songs about him. And because he is the flute, obviously in Madhurya Ras, you know, he, he is full of Madhurya Ras or devotional mellows for Lord Krishna. He composed a beautiful uh, poem on Lord Krishna, which actually, on, on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which actually describes the separation with Sachi Mata and Vishnu Priya, were feeling from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas. And he wrote that poem, it's, it's really beautiful, where, you know, he's cursing Keshav Bharti also in that poem. That, oh, you know, that when Keshav Bharti came, there was a thunderbolt will fell on, which fell on us, and he took uh, Gauranga away from us. When we'll see that beautiful moonlike face? So it was a song in separation that he wrote, reflecting the feelings of Sachi Mata and Vishnu Priya in that particular song. So that's how exalted Vaishnava Vamsivadan uh, um, Thakur was. And the second personality whose appearance day today is Shyamanan Prabhu. Again, Shyamanan Prabhu was also an eternal associate in Chaitanya Leela. Very, very exalted devotee. So after the six Goswamis, you know, we had Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityanand Prabhu and all their associates, the Panchatattva and all their associates. And then we had the next layer which were the six Goswamis who were um, preaching about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And uh, the next layer was three exalted Vaishnavas which were Narottam Das Thakur, Srinivas Acharya and Shyamanan Prabhu, or also known as Shyamanan Pandit. So Shyamanan Prabhu was born to Shri Krishna Mandal and Srimati Durika Devi. Now Shri Krishna Mandal, it's described, he's actually one of the six Gopas in Krishna Leela. So again, a very exalted devotee. And Shyamanan Prabhu took birth as his son. So before Shyamanan Prabhu took birth, actually uh, Shri Krishna Mandal and Durika Devi had borne many, many sons and daughters. But somehow all their children would die. After childbirth, they would die. And that is why both the parents were extremely distressed that we don't have a child 
whom we can then, you know, impart this Krishna Bhakti to. So they were very distressed. And ultimately, when Shyamanan Prabhu was born, they actually uh, wanted to protect him so much that they named him, him Dukhi. And Dukhi means sad in uh, English. So they named him Dukhi because they wanted to ward off any inauspiciousness or evil eye that might come on that child and again that child might also die. So that was their concern and therefore they named him that. And you know he was called as Dukhi Krishnadas. So Dukhi Krishnadas was full of transcendental qualities. Once again, what we heard today about Prahlad Maharaj. Since his childhood, he was extremely intelligent. He mastered all the scriptures very nicely. He learned, he became a, a master of grammar. He was also highly devoted to Lord Krishna. And whenever somebody would narrate the pastimes of Gaura Nitai, he would immediately, immediately go into ecstasy. He was so attached to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityanand Prabhu. And seeing his, the exalted qualities of his child, um, Sri Krishna Mandal, who himself was a great devotee of Lord Krishna, instructed him to actually take initiation on the path of Krishna Bhakti. And taking his father's instructions to heart, um, uh, Dukhi Krishnadas actually told his father that in my heart I have accepted Riday Chaitanya of um, Ambika Kalna as my guru. Now they were staying very far away. So his father got concerned that you're such a young boy, how will you travel to Ambika Kalna by yourself? And um, he assured him, Dukhi Krishnadas assured his father that when all the devotees are going for Ganga Snan to Navadvip, at that time I will go with them and I will go and surrender myself to Riday Chaitanya and Ambika Kalna. So he came to Ambika Kalna and he surrendered his life to his guru Riday Chaitanya. And Krishnadas started serving his spiritual master very nicely. And seeing his high intelligence, especially in scriptures, Riday Chaitanya gave instructions to his disciple. He said that now you actually go to Vrindavan and you study under Jiva Goswami. And once you have mastered the scriptures and the, especially the Gaudiya Vaishnava literatures, you come back to me. So seeking blessings from his guru, uh, Krishna Das traveled. He first went to uh, Navadvip. He had darshan of, he met Ishan, who was the servant of Mother Sachi and Vishnu Priya. And he had darshan of Ishan. He had darshan of Mother Sachi. Then he went to Gaya to take blessings of uh, Vishnu Pad, you know, the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu. He also went to Jagannath Puri, met Chandrasekhar Acharya and everybody, all the devotees there. He took their blessings. And then ultimately he went to Vrindavan. And he surrendered himself at the lotus feet of Jiva Goswami. And that's where he got the association of Narottam Das Thakur and Srinivas Acharya also, who were also studying under Jiva Goswami at that time. So he begged, uh, while studying the scriptures, he also begged Jiva Goswami to give him some service, some menial service where he could actually uh, serve the divine couple Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan. And uh, Jiva Goswami gave him the service of sweeping Seva Kunj every day. So Seva Kunj, even today, in present day Vrindavan, it is mentioned to devotees, we should never go and um, go to Seva Kunj after, in the evening. After a certain time, we should not go, and especially at night, we should not go, because even today, uh, the divine couple Radha and Krishna come and perform the Aras Leela over there. So he got the service of sweeping Seva Kunj, and one day in the morning when he was sweeping, he actually found a beautiful ankle bell. And as soon as he saw that ankle bell, he realized that this jewel is not of this world because it was exquisite, it had exquisite beauty. So he, he realized that this must be of Srimati Radharani. So he kept that ankle bell, you know, tied in a cloth on him. And that time, two beautiful girls came to him. And they asked him, so they were none other than Lalita and Vishakha who had come in disguise. And they asked uh, Krishna Das, they said that, have you seen an ankle bell? Our Sakhi has lost an ankle bell here in Seva Kunj. And he asked, how did your Sakhi lose? And um, they said that, oh, she was collecting some flowers from this Kunj and that time her ankle bell came off. So uh, Krishna Das knew that this belongs to Srimati Radharani. So he said, no, I'm only going to give it directly to the owner of this ankle bell. I will not give it to anybody else. So uh, Radhita and Vishakha went and narrated everything to Srimati Radharani and she was very pleased with this devotee, with Krishna Das. So she said, okay, you bring him to me and I will, you know, then take the ankle bell from him. So uh, again, Lalita Vishakha came back and they said, okay, we'll take you to take, um, uh, have darshan of our uh, Sakhi, but before that you have to take bath. So they made him take bath and his, he came out in his original form of a manjari. And then he was taken to take darshan of Srimati Radharani and he handed over the ankle bell to Srimati Radharani. 
and Srimati Radharani was so pleased with him that she dipped that ankle bell in kumkum, red kumkum powder, and then she applied it. She pressed it on the forehead of Krishna Das. And that created a very beautiful red tilak on his uh, forehead. And she said that from today onwards, you will be known as Shyamananda because you have given so much pleasure to me and to the to me and uh, Lord Krishna. So uh, um, Shyamananda Pandit, uh, Shyamanan Prabhu then came out of that you know meditation that he was in where all this pastime happened, and he came back to Jiva Goswami. And all the Vaishnavas saw that there is this strange tilak, because Gaudiya Vaishnavas have a different tilak, but they saw this strange tilak on um, Krishna Das's forehead, and they all started murmuring, oh, has he you know, changed his uh, sampradaya? Why does he have a different tilak on his forehead and all? And even Jiva Goswami was a bit surprised. So Jiva Goswami asked him that, what is this tilak on your forehead? Why have you suddenly changed the tilak? And that time Krishna Das explained the whole story to him, a whole pastime that took place. And Jiva Goswami was stunned when, we, when he heard that, you know, this simple boy had got such great mercy from, directly from Srimati Radharani. So he embraced him in great ecstasy and he said, yes, from today onwards your name will be known as Shyamanan Prabhu. And he said, because this is such an exalted pastime that has happened, please do not reveal this to everyone, because not many people will understand. And there were so many sahajyas also during that time in Vrindavan. So he said, we don't want this pastime to be taken cheaply by people. So, you know, the murmurings of this, because people don't know, didn't know the real reason, they started spreading gossip as usual. And they started saying, oh, uh, Krishna Das has changed his sampradaya, he has adopted a new tilak and all that. And that news reached Ambika Kalna to his guru, to Riday Chaitanya. And being concerned for his disciples' welfare, he actually became upset. So he traveled all the way to Vrindavan, to, you know, because he thought, if my disciple has deviated, it is my duty to chastise and correct him and bring him back on the right path. So he traveled all the way to Vrindavan, and when he saw um, uh, Krishna Das, who paid very, uh, you know, humbly obeisances to him, he started chastising him. He said that what I had heard was true. I can see you have this tilak on your forehead, which is not the tilak which Gaudiya, Gaudiya Vaishnavas put. So he really chastised him, and uh, Shyamanan Prabhu was just keeping quiet. He was not mentioning, he was not trying to be defensive or anything like that. But then Jiva Goswami actually calmed Riday Chaitanya down, and he revealed to him what had happened. And at that time, Riday Chaitanya again was very pleased, and he again embraced his disciple that his disciple had actually received such great mercy from Srimati Radharani herself. So um, on the order, like, you know, all these three great personalities, Shyamanan Prabhu, um, Srinivas Acharya, Naratam Das Thakur, they finished studying under Jiva Goswami. And on the orders of Jiva Goswami, because all the Goswami's literature was there in Vrindavan, but that had to be sent to uh, Orissa and to Bengal, so that the devotees there also can relish the literature and preaching can happen. So they put all the literature in one trunk and they were asked to take the literatures to Bengal and Orissa. And there were many pastimes which took place on the way or the literature gets stolen and all that. But ultimately they reached Bengal and Orissa and Shyamanan Prabhu was very instrumental in preaching ex you know, extensively from these literatures written by the six Goswamis. It is also described that when, during his travel from Vrindavan to, um, back to Bengal and to Orissa, he met a very exalted uh, boy called Rasika. And he initiated him, at, and you know, that boy's uh, initiated name was Rasika Nanda, and he became a great Acharya, a great philosopher, a great uh, preacher of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. So this is, uh, you know, how Shyamanan Prabhu, again, you know, preached far and wide. There are many, many pastimes of Shyamanan Prabhu, but we can't go into detail of each pastime, but these were some of the main pastimes of, you know, his glorious life. Um, and then today is also the appearance day of Radha Kund. So in the Nectar of Instruction, it is described, there is a beautiful verse, the 10th verse of Nectar of Instruction describes that Radha Kund is um, the most exalted place, like there is a hierarchy given that, you know, in this world, the most exalted place is Mathura, higher than Mathura is uh, Vrindavan, higher than Vrindavan is Govardhan, higher than Govardhan. So like that, the whole hierarchy is given. And the highest uh, exalted place or, you know, highest um, purifying abode or spiritual abode in this world is none other than Radha Kund. That is what Nectar of Instruction and even uh, Rupa Goswami and uh, Sanatan Goswami have certified. So Radha Kund, like, you know, there is also Bahulashtami, which is celebrated during Kartik Purnima. 
and I was a bit confused at how Radha Kund appearance day is today because this is still Chaitra month going on. But then when we, I, uh, you know, little bit did some reading, we found out that today was the actual appearance day, the killing of Arishta Shura demon and the actual appearance day of Radha Kund was today. And Bahulashtami, which is during Kartik Purnima, was the day when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu discovered Radha Kund. When he went to Radha Kund, uh, you know, obviously he went to different places and he discovered Radha Kund and Shyama Kund. That was Bahulashtami, which is during um, Kartik Purnima. But today was the day when actually Krishna killed the uh, bull demon Arishta Sura. And most of us know the pastime how Radharani then chastised Krishna that you have done the offense of killing a cow. So you have now become contaminated and we cannot associate it with you at all. And then Krishna said, but he was a demon. But Radharani said, whatever it is, it was still a cow. And therefore, we are not going to associate with you because you are contaminated. So very humbly, Krishna asked Radharani, okay, how should I purify myself? How can I get rid of this contamination? And Radharani said that, oh, you have to go and take bath in every holy place in this world. You have to take bath in every holy river, every holy place. And only when you do that, then you will be purified of this uh, sin of killing a bull. So Krishna said that, oh, I don't have to travel to all the uh, holy places because he didn't want to be separated from Radharani. So what he did was he just kicked a, his heel into the ground and he created a kunda. And then he prayed and he, you know, invited all the holy places personified to come and fill his kunda. And they all came. So, you know, Ganga personified, Saraswati, all the holy rivers from all over the world came. And they, full, they uh, offered very beautiful prayers to Lord Krishna and then they filled the kund. And then Lord Krishna took bath in that, uh, in that kund, which was known as Shyam kund. And he then told the gopis that, look, now I have become purified. You all saw all the personified holy rivers came and filled this kund. So I have taken bath in all the holy dhams, like you said. However, because you sided with a demon, therefore you all are now contaminated. So you all should also purify yourself. And you all should come and take bath in my kund to purify yourself. Now the gopis and Radharani, they were acting a bit haughty. So they said, no, 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 your kund is still very impure because your sins have now gone into that kund. So we are not going to take bath in your kund. We are going to create our own kund. And just next to Shyam kund, there was a little bit of a, uh, a you know, depression in the ground where Arishtashura's hoof had uh, uh, been struck. So, you know, the gopis took out their bangles and they started digging. And they, in no time, Krishna was astonished that the gopis had created a beautiful kund. And then Krishna said, okay, you all have created the kund, now at least take water from my kund, allow it to, you know, come into your kund. Again, the gopis angrily refused. He said, no, we are going to obtain our own water. So they made a long line, and we know there are millions and millions of gopis. So they made a long line from Radha kund till uh, Mansi Ganga. And all of them had nice, beautiful earthen pots, and they started passing. So one line was passing the filled pots, one line was passing the empty pots back. So like that, they started filling. Uh, the kund. Now obviously it was hard labor to you know fill a kund with pots of water and to allow it to get full. So Krishna was feeling very compassionate. He didn't want to see his uh, you know Priya gopis and Radharani labor so much. So then he actually did ishara to all the holy rivers personified and he said y'all go and pray to Radharani and if y'all pray and tell her please accept our waters in your kund as well she might agree. So again all the holy rivers personified begged at the lotus feet of Radharani. And they said, please allow us to serve you and allow us to fill your kund as well. And that's when Radharani then, you know, her heart melted and she agreed. And then all the water, all the holy rivers filled her kund and the water from Shyama kund then entered Radha kund as well. And then Krishna was so pleased with this whole um, pastime that took place that he told Radharani, he also took bath in Radha kund with her. And he told Radharani that this is, you know, I'm declaring this place to be the most dear to me. And anyone who comes and takes bath or even glorifies this kund, will become, very soon he'll become a dear devotee of me. And Radharani declared the same thing about Shyam kund. She said that your kund is the most dear to me and anyone who comes and takes bath here is very, very dear to me. They will acquire devotion to me, to my lotus feet. So Prabhupada says, Prabhupada says that although, you know, Radha kund and Shyam kund are the most exalted places, we have to be, as devotees, we have to be very careful when we are dealing with Radha Kund especially, because it's the highest spiritual uh, dham in this uh, uh, world. So he says some, we should not do frivolous behavior 
when, when we are approaching Radha Kund, like I know most spiritual masters don't allow their disciples to take bath in Radha Kund. They say that just dip your beads and sprinkle some water on your head. So that is how with great respect and awe we uh, deal with Radha Kund because Radha Kund and Shyama Kund are also the eyes of Govardhan. So Govardhan is shaped like a peacock, as we know, and these two are the eyes of Govardhan, and they are very dear to Lord Krishna. So again, we want to get purified, we want to um, go and, you know, get the water of Radhakun, but not in a frivolous way, but just respectfully taking a few drops of water on our head. And just in few minutes about Balaram Rasyatra. Um, so Lord Balaram, when, you know, he came from Dwarka to visit Vrindavan, because the gopis were feeling immense separation from Lord Krishna. And again, these are, you know, beautiful narrations are there in Srimad Bhagavatam, how the gopis were feeling so much separation after Lord Krishna had gone. So but Lord Balaram came to give them their association and he stayed there for two months. And this was during this time, during Chaitra month, he was there in Vrindavan. And he, he, he tried to pacify the hearts of the gopis, you know, he had lots of pastimes there. And it is described that on this Chaitra Purnima, which is actually the Purnima of spring season, in India it's spring season. So during this season, he had Ras Leela with his own set of gopis. So Lord Balram also has his own set of gopis and he had a beautiful Ras Leela on the banks of the Yamuna. And it's described in the scriptures that even the gopis of Krishna actually witnessed this Ras Leela which Lord Balaram did with his gopis and they were astonished to see this beautiful Ras Leela. And during the Ras Leela, it is described that Lord Balaram actually um, uh, drank Varuni. So it was during this pastime that Lord Balaram drank Varuni and he became intoxicated. And once he became intoxicated, he then, you know, wanted to take bath because they had danced for such a long time. Balram and all the gopis were tired, so they wanted to take bath in the Yamuna and, like, you know, pacify their tiredness. So he, generally, if we want to take bath in a river, we go to the river and dip in the river. But Lord Balram was intoxicated, so he demanded the Yamuna to come to him. That you come close to me, I want to take bath in you. And I think that picture has been removed, but we had a beautiful picture in our temple, <laughs> temple room of Lord Balram's red eyes and he's angry with Yamuna because obviously Yamuna did not, you know, if you want to take bath, you have to come inside a river, not that the river comes and flows to you. So Yamuna just stayed in her place. She did not come. And Lord Balram becomes very angry and he's like, with her, he takes his plow and he strikes it in the ground and he actually started dragging Yamuna towards her. Because he was very powerful. We know when he got angry with uh, uh, the Kauravas, he went and actually almost dragged Hastinapur into the Ganga. So he was so powerful and Yamuna Devi realized she has made an apraj, she has made an offense at the lotus feet of Lord Balram. So then she comes out and that was also there in the picture. She comes out and she, the personified Yamuna Devi comes out and she offers her obeisances to Lord Balram and seeks forgiveness. And she says that, okay, I've come here, now you take path in my water. So that's, that's the pastime which took place in this Chaitya Purnima where, you know, Lord Varuni drank that, Lord Balram drank that famous Varuni juice, which we all drink on Balram uh, Purnima. And he also um, did his Ras Leela with the gopis. So we've gone a little over, but we'll end the class here and we'll see if there are any questions, comments or corrections. So is it okay to take a bath in Radha Kund or no? So um, I think it's good to consult the seniors or a spiritual master if we have a spiritual master. I know personally some spiritual masters don't allow that. They say that uh, Radha Kund is too pure for us to like, you know, dip our body in that. So we should just dip our beads to purify our beads and with the beads only we sprinkle some water on our heads. So. It, but yeah, some spiritual masters might allow, so it is good to take, you know, from some seniors or from your spiritual master, perm seek permission, and if the permission is there, then yes, you can take bath. But generally, if we have not asked anyone and we are just visiting Vrindavan, then it's good to avoid. That's what Prabhupada says. Put her what? 
No, because when we, yeah, generally we don't want to like imp uh, contaminate by putting our feet in the kund, but obviously some water might touch our kund uh, feet when we go to take, when we go to even take water on our head. But the main idea is that when we go and take bath, then there can be frivolous behavior or we might think, oh, it's, you know, a place to take bath and not to purify ourselves. And that is what Prabhupada didn't want that tendency to screep. That is why he said just sprinkle water on the head. Okay, we'll end the class here. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Srila Prabhupada.